You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. It's good to be with you. It's always good. I was just thinking while I was in the restroom, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I'm just thinking, okay, how would that translate to today? Hey, let's go worship. Indeed. But it's like, oh, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know, know the difficulties, the troubles, the trials, the obstinate people, the rebellion that I've been dealing with. Why would I go and worship God? That's when we need to just take him by the hand and say, let's pray that you receive a revelation of his goodness. When we get a revelation of the goodness of God, it will always, always cause us to want to pursue a posture of worship and to come into his presence and to give him all that he's so wonderfully, wonderfully deserving of. So this is uh, Fourth of July week. Did you have good, safe fireworks? We were at the Symphony on the Prairie and they had their little patriotic uh, musical concert and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you, you hear these songs every year. You hear them all the time. You, you get all the different big band music and the John Philip Sousa and the march and all that kind of stuff. But I was, I was really impressed. Oh, by the way, that is a photo of Anne who caught some of the fireworks from, uh, from the Symphony on the Prairie concert and all the all the fireworks that you'll see in my powerpoint background were came from Anne's Anne's photos today so enjoy those those are free of charge and uh enjoy enjoy those so as we were singing all the patriotic songs it was just kind of it kind of blindsided me we got up and we all stood so many times when the little soldiers and the flag went by and all this we're sitting up down up down here they come and then they started singing god bless america oh it undid me i mean i started crying i couldn't even sing the lyrics because it was so so incredibly just powerful as we celebrate freedom and so i thought do you know all the verses of god bless america there's like six of them I picked four for us to look at today. This isn't the sermon, but we're looking at freedom. And we're looking at freedom. And, and here's the first one. There we go. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain, for purple mountain majesties above the fruited plain. America, America, God shed his grace on thee and the tears start rolling. Anytime God sheds his grace on us, it's just gonna move something inside our heart and our spirit. <laughs> and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. Now some of us can get real pessimistic and say, what good? Well, there's good. And he sees it and he sheds his grace upon it and he blesses us with brotherhood. Second verse, oh beautiful for pilgrim feet, whose stern impassioned stress, a thoroughfare of freedom beat across the wilderness. America, America, God mend thine every flaw. Oh, 
when I was looking at that, I said, yeah, Jesus, bring the healing. Bring the healing, mend our flaws. You've given us freedom, and how we use that freedom will, be, will determine whether all the nations are blessed or not. Hmm. Mend thine every flaw, confirm thy soul in self-control, which is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, self-control. Mm -hmm. Thy liberty in law. O beautiful, for heroes proved in liberating strife, who more than self their country loved, and mercy more than life. America, America, may God thy gold refine, till all success be nobleness, not filthy wretchedness, not fat, spoiled, wealthy Americans, but nobleness and every gain divine. Ooh, felt the anointing on that. Mm -hmm. Oh, beautiful for patriot dream that sees beyond the years thine alabaster cities gleam undimmed by human tears. America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. Mm. Moves my heart. Now, if I sang it to you, it wouldn't be quite as moving. But <clears throat> I want us to look at freedom. Galatians 5.1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Hallelujah. Came across an article by Danny Silk and he, he's talking about the fatherhood of God and, and it was first of three part series. And he was looking at freedom and I just was so impressed with what he had to say. I wanna share some of that with you. Let's look first to the scriptures. The context, Galatians 5, but let's look at not just verse one, but let's look at one through five. And this is in the Passion Translation. So if you've got your NIV or New King James, whatever you have, you, it might sound a little different. Let me be very clear. The anointed one has set us free. Not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. And all the people said. We must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. I, Paul, tell you, if you think there is benefit in circumcision and Jewish regulations, then you are acting as though Jesus the Anointed One is not enough. I say it again emphatically. If you let yourselves be circumcised, you are obliged to fill every single one of the commandments and regulations of the law. If you want to be made holy by fulfilling the obligations of the law, you have cut off more than your flesh, you have cut yourselves off from the anointed one and have fallen away from the revelation of grace. And we really need to understand what, what he's saying here. The enemy always wants us to add something to the message of the gospel. 
You've got to receive Jesus by faith and obey these rules. Anybody been a part of a community of faith where you had to obey the rules? Yeah. And it's kind of like, okay, how do we do this? And yet in the kingdom, it is not so. In the kingdom, as we see, it is by freedom and it is through grace, by faith, that we enter into the kingdom. It was so confusing as a, as a newborn Christian coming up in, in the holiness tradition and having to sign documents that in order to be a member of the local church, I had the promise that I wouldn't smoke, I wouldn't drink, I, I, I wouldn't gamble, I wouldn't be a part of secret societies, and, and I wouldn't kiss girls that were part of those. You know, it was, it was just kind of crazy, all the different things that, that was there. Now, it's not as though I, I'm against obeying those things, but it's not through obedience that we gain acceptance. And it brings confusion to the young believer and, and we start getting this, that yes, I received Jesus by faith, but now I've got to make sure that I'm accepted by the community by making sure I don't boo-boo, I don't make mistakes, I don't do things that they would frown upon. Wow. Verse five, but the Holy Spirit convinces us that we have received by faith the glorious righteousness of the anointed one. Now I'm still blown away by just the word righteousness. And here, Brian Simmons adds glorious righteousness. And whenever you see glory in the scriptures, you, you've heard me say it as many times. I won't exaggerate, but I've said it many times. The glory is not just the splendor and the radiance of the presence of God. It is the presence. It means he is there. And that's the, the incredible thing about his righteousness. He inhabits the righteousness and as we receive the righteousness, he lives within us. We receive his presence. So amazing. When you've placed, when you, when you are placed into the anointed one and joined to him, circumcision and religious obligations can benefit you nothing. All that matters now is living in the faith that is activated and brought to perfection by love. That is so good. So, so good. Activated <laughs> and brought to perfection by love. C.S. Lewis put it this way in his book, Mere Christianity. I put it up on the screen so that you can see the quote because it's a lengthy quote. And uh, he's a brilliant mind and I've been reading a lot of C.S. Lewis of late, and it, it really takes a discipline to, to, you know, to read and to follow his word structure. It's not in pop, it's not in the popular English. Here's what he says, God created things which had free will. That means creatures which can go either wrong or right. Some people think that they can imagine a creature which was free, but had no possibility of going wrong. 
I cannot. If a thing is free to be good, it is also free to be bad. And free will is what has made evil possible. Why then did God give them free will? Because free will, though it makes evil possible, is also the only thing that makes possible any love or goodness or joy worth having. A world of automata, of creatures that worked like machines, would hardly be worth creating. The happiness which God designs for his higher creatures is this happiness of being freely, voluntarily united to him and to each other in an ecstasy of love and delight compared with which the most rapturous love between a man and a woman on this earth is mere milk and water. And for that, they must be free. Hmm. You, you follow on this? Does this make sense? Is anybody just kind of confused? What is the Brit talking about? Hmm. For us to have freedom means that we can choose not to follow God. For us to have freedom, we can choose right or wrong. But for us to know the freedom by which God has set us free and to truly live in that freedom, we have to choose the things that lead to love and to connection with him. God's ultimate design and purpose for us is love and connection. And freedom is the necessary condition for love and connection to happen. We've got to have freedom if we're going to have love and connection. In fact, love and connection are the ultimate expressions of freedom. Wow. So we see, according to Lewis, if we go right, we use our freedom in ways that will grow and protect love and connection. When we go into the wrong, when we choose to go wrong, we violate love and connection. It's as we learn from the history of the fall that misusing our freedom will result in bondage. Hmm. Anybody want to be in bondage today? Well, what is bondage? Well, if freedom is expressed in love and connection, then bondage is being caught in cycles of fear and disconnection with God, with ourselves, and with others. This is the reality created by the curse of sin and death, <laughs> which can only be broken through the cross of Jesus Christ, his sacrifice, death, and resurrection, whereby we're born again, and we enter a journey of unlearning all the ways we used to live in bondage and learn how to walk in freedom. The cycles of fear and disconnection. Mm. Lord, free us from those. Well, how would you define freedom? Well, the world would define freedom as basically comes down to being able to do whatever we want when we want it. It proves I'm free. 
I can see my little two-year-old stomping her feet. No, I want that. Buy me this, exercising her freedom. <laughs> and this isn't totally wrong, it's just immature and incomplete. Our Father wants us to live in freedom and to learn how to live from the desires that are in our hearts. He made us that way. And he knows that for us to live out of the desires of our heart, we have to have our desires trained. Anybody been in training lately? Mm-hmm, yeah. Because sometimes we don't desire the right things. And we gotta know how do I desire that which is good, that which is of the Lord. How to get it, <laughs> and, and not only learn that, but how do I get that in the right way? Sometimes I've had right desires, but I've gone about fulfilling them in the wrong way. Mm. Learning how to trust our Father in heaven. This is where the Holy Spirit comes into play. There's two things the Holy Spirit does. It awakens our desire for God. Have you noticed that? He just continues to do that. As you continue to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, he is awakening a deeper longing for intimacy with the Lord. He's calling and he's revealing to us certain things about the Father, Son, and himself that causes us to say, wow. The enemy's constantly, I think, misleading us that we've got the story. Yeah, we understand. That somehow in our human intellect, we've comprehended God. And as such, we understand Christianity, we understand the things of the Spirit, we understand, and it's like, we're just starting to get a revelation. You take where you are today, I don't care if you're in your 20s, 50s, 90s, wherever you are in your pilgrimage and journey with the Lord, you're just scratching the surface. There is so much more that he wants to reveal to you about his goodness, about his nature, about how his kingdom works. Huh, we're just beginning. I love that. He wakens our desire for God. And the second thing the Holy Spirit does is he leads us with an incredible patience down the long road of overcoming all the baggage we picked up from life of trying to get what we want on our own terms. That's the working out of your salvation with fear and trembling. It's how we grow. It's how we mature. A lot of times we, we make the misnomer because we've, we've chosen and exercised our freedom in an incorrect way that we must not be saved. No. It just reveals that we're not mature. And there's a difference between not being included in the family of God and being immature. We don't kick people out of the family because of their immaturity. We come along and we love and we guide and we correct and we help and we teach and we encourage, but we never kick out. And the Father never kicks us out because of our immaturity. I don't care how many times you've been stuck in something that has trapped you and ensnared you his patience is 
mind-blowing. Sometimes I consider myself to be a patient guy. Sometimes. Especially if it's in an area that I'm not really concerned about. Really doesn't touch my life, doesn't affect me. Take your time, keep working, Lord. But when all of a sudden it's, it's, it's having a direct effect on me, then all of a sudden I, I want to be gracious and I want to be patient and extend mercy and give more and more opportunities to mature. But then there seems to be a point where I say enough's enough. I've never experienced that with God where enough's enough. I have experienced his dread and his fear that caused me to come to the conclusion, I think that's enough. It's time to turn, it's time to change, it's time to repent, it's time to obey in the, in the very thing that he's putting his finger on, what he's bringing into our awareness. Mm-hmm. I love that about him, he's so good. He's asking us to trust him. Especially in those areas where it's difficult to obey. Especially in those circumstances that are painful. He's calling us to trust him. And that's what he gives us freedom to do. The freedom to trust him in the midst of pain and uncertainty and not understanding when obeying is difficult is one of the most powerful expressions of spiritual warfare that you'll ever do. There's something about when we just trust as the Spirit leads us and we just trust and we don't have understanding and it doesn't make sense and it hurts, but we believe that the Lord is saying go this way and we step out and we go this way. All of hell groans because it's realizing that we're learning how to fly by faith, how to live by the hearing the voice of the Lord and walking in the ways that he shows us. Now, has he ever shown you a way that he wants you to walk? And you said, not today. And you get up the next day and that way that he's shown is still there. And you can choose to say, well, not today. And you can choose to say, not tomorrow, and not the next day, and not the next day, and not the next day. The, the amazing thing about our Father who is always speaking to us, he's always bringing it to our awareness if we will receive it, his guidance. That's one of the main functions of the Holy Spirit is to lead and to guide us, especially in our step-by-step -step walk Whenever we've detoured, when we come to the end of ourselves and we come back and we say, okay, Lord, I'm ready to hear. What is it you want to say? We find he says, I want you to go this way. And he hasn't veered off his original direction for us. It's still there. And, and sometimes we go on these huge long detours, but when we come back to him, we go right to the very point that we had trouble obeying. And now we get an opportunity to obey again. 
His mercies are new every morning. He's so faithful. It's not like, have you ever done this with a parent when you were a child? They told you to do something, you didn't do it. And then enough time has gone by and you hope they forgot what they told you to do. And you think you got away with something because mom or dad forgot to enforce or forgot to remember that they told you to do something. Never that way with the Lord. He never forgets. And that's the beauty of repentance. That's the beauty of coming back to him and saying, Lord, I've, I've detoured, I've gone off on my own way and now I've returned. And when we say, you know, Lord speak, your servant listens. Your, your son or your daughter desires to obey you now. What is it that you want me to do? And he says the very thing that was last on the agenda when we detoured which I don't know what it's like for you, but usually those kind of things is usually asking someone for forgiveness or going and confessing what I've done that was done in secret and I thought I got away with it and yet he wants me to go and, and find a trusted brother that I can confess to. It's like, ah, he never forgets. And that's because he's not following the rules. He's wanting a deeper relationship with us. And he gives us the opportunity to humble ourselves and to come under the submission of his glorious love and say, I don't understand why you're making me do this, but I know one, that you love me, and two, that you desire for me to know you more than I know you. And so I choose to repent. I choose to humble myself. I choose to confess. I choose to go to that person and ask for forgiveness. Not just say, I'm sorry. Don't get confused. Saying you're sorry is good, but it's immature. It's, it's incomplete. To, to bring about a full opportunity for a breach in a relationship to be restored, it's not just, I'm sorry. It's, I humble myself. And could you find it in your heart to forgive me for what I said or what I've done? And when we do that, we empower the one that we wounded, that we sinned against. We empower them with a grace to be able to say, yes, I forgive you, or no, I don't forgive you. And that's freedom. That's freedom. We can't control. We can only do what the Lord has requested of us. And a lot of times when, when I'm dealing with people who can't forgive, they can't forgive the offense, we, we say, would you be willing to forgive? And they say, no, I'm not willing to forgive. And many of us have heard the wonderful teaching of Mike Robertson. Well, if you're not willing to forgive, would you be willing to be willing to forgive? No, I'm not willing to be willing. Well, if you're not willing to be willing, would you be willing to be willing to be willing to forgive? And the only way the purposes of God goes forth 
because it's an exercise of our freedom. It's an exercise of our will. We have to find that place, however willings to be willings to be willings to be willings. We have to go all the way back till we find that spot where the will can be willing. And from there we can start progressing and get the grace to be willing to be willing and then to be willing and then to extend forgiveness. And sometimes the offense is so deep and so horrible and has done so much damage inside our soul and our heart that it really takes a period of time for the reconciliation that the Father wants to be able to take place and forgiveness to be extended and released in the name of Jesus. Now that's good, but that's freedom. That's freedom. The scariest thing is you've got the freedom to be stuck where you are for all eternity if you do not get to the place where, that you're willing to be willing to be willing. You've got to find out where that is for some of those breaches that have, that have harmed us and wounded us at the deepest place in our hearts. Good fathers protect and provide for their children. They really do. And both are means for which the child is able to grow into freedom. We have to bring protection and provision so that the child can grow in freedom. I think that's really, really important for us to understand. To learn, we get the opportunity to help them to learn how to access his, his protection and his provision as they learn freedom management. We do anger management. Well, we gotta learn how to do freedom management, which is anger management is a subset of freedom management. How do we manage the freedom that we've been given in Christ? We see that there's a great joy when we see people developing in freedom management, when they're starting to make good choices and they're managing the grace and the freedom that Christ has given them and they're, they're discovering the limitlessness of his love and the resources that he has for us to walk in. It, it, it's fun when you see people that are, that are walking in the freedom and, they, and they've freed themselves from all the, the, the sins and the oughts and the unforgiveness inside their heart. And as they do that, they're in a position for then God to reveal to them their real dreams. Your dreams are in your heart. And if the enemy can keep us because of the wounds and all the confusion and all the abuse and all the damage, and it gets our heart so congested with all of that stuff, we, we lose our ability to dream. We, we don't live from desires because we've lost our desires. Our, de our desires have been kind of so perverted and twisted that we don't realize that the one that we really long for is God. We think that we're longing for a drug. We think that we're longing for some kind of experience that gets us out of pain temporarily. But when they begin to receive and as that heart is healed, they start to dream because God has placed dreams in all of our hearts. And as we're dreaming, our hearts start to burn for the things that it was created for. We start to take 
courageous risks. <laughs> we make profound commitments. Anybody get married? Yeah, that's a commitment. We strive for greatness as we pursue our love for God and for others and for even ourselves. But leading free people is very messy. You ever seen that? Because we fall over ourselves. We struggle to, to overcome our old fears. We learn to choose, as we're learning to choose love and connection, we, we find that we have setbacks and we get triggered and we discover areas where, where we're still not mature or underdeveloped. And I wish we could, if, if I could just take one thing that the enemy uses so many times in our lives, if I could, if I could just take the lie that because we made an immature choice, that we have to go all the way back and start over. I don't know what that child game is, but there was one game that when you made a mistake, you had to go all the way to the start and you had to start all over. We do that when we play basketball and we play the game of horse. You know, if you miss the shot, you gotta go all the way, or around the world, around the world, the basketball game around the world. We get all the way to the last place and we take the extra thing and we miss and now we gotta go start all the way back to the beginning. The enemy loves using that kind of dynamic in our, in our walk and in our intimacy with God of making us feel like we just fouled ourselves out of the game, we just did something that causes us to go all the way to the back and we're so ashamed and we're so embarrassed that it's hard for us to face the Lord and it's a lie straight from the pit of hell. The patience of the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us is beyond anything you've ever experienced in the natural. And when we humble ourselves and say, yes, I blew it, it's amazing how he picks us and leads us and loves us and secures us and gets us ready for the next step. He's God. Because only God can do that. Hmm. When we suffer the consequences of misusing our freedom, oh, he's still there because the goal of God is to help us to grow and to be fully restored in how to manage the freedom that he's given to us. So the father is passionate about our freedom. He's paid the ultimate price for it. He gave us his one and only son and he's invited us to exercise that freedom and to not get caught back into the patterns of our old life, but to move into the new patterns of our new life. Let's look at Galatians 5.1 again. Let me be clear. The anointed one has set us free, not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. We must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. Yeah. So let's just close our eyes and take a posture of, of listening to the Lord. Just the Lord speak to us. One of th the first thing that the Holy Spirit does is he really releases a desire for God. And that's been my prayer this morning. Lord, would you release a desire in us 
that will long for you even more than we've ever longed for you on our best day. The season when we have, and sometimes we have those seasons where obedience is easy because grace is lavished and the love of God has secured us. And it's just easy to walk in step with what the Holy Spirit. But then there's days as a result of exercising our freedom in immature ways that it's difficult. And it's like pulling, it's like pulling teeth. It's so hard to obey. I pray that first love for God, awareness of his goodness would come. So Holy Spirit, release that in Jesus' name. Release a fresh desire to know, to discover the greatness of our Lord. Increase our desire for love and connection with God the Father, Son, and you, and with ourselves and with one another. And we thank you for your patience in seeing us grow into maturity, in dealing with all our baggage. And as you highlight a bag that we need to release and surrender, I pray for the grace to do so. Come. Give us grace to, to take those things that the enemy exploits that have come out of out of our, our wounded past. And we want to submit those and release those to you at the very foot of the cross. And we say, Lord, let the power that raised Jesus from the dead come upon us. The joy of being in you and you being in us overwhelm us. That we would be able to live a different way today. And then I pray for the grace to live a different way tomorrow. And I pray, Father, for uh, a wake-up call every time the enemy tries to, to shame us out of fellowship and shame us from, from pursuing a greater intimacy and a greater risk of faith. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would release the alarm that would cause us to know that these are lies and that you're always for us and that you're always with us. And so let freedom reign. I pray, Lord, in your church today, let freedom reign. The freedom that allows us the grace to get out of our old stuff and into the new for a greater awareness of what you're doing because you're so loving and kind. How many would say with just an uplifted hand, you know, there's some, there's some areas that the Holy Spirit is moving right now on my heart and he wants me to deal with that baggage. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, as, as your loving children, out of the securing love that you have manifested to their hearts, have responded, Holy Spirit, come now and go into that area of their heart and bring the healing, bring the freedom, bring the liberty that you've always longed them to know. 
if you would like to have prayer and have as the community God's loving family to come around and, and contend with you for whatever it is that he's doing, I just invite you to stand. you just a little more time to stand and then I'm going to take off the fasten seatbelt sign in the cabin and you're going to be free to go and to pray for our family for our brothers and sisters for the very thing that they are <laughs> inviting the Lord to remove from their lives So we say, Lord, let these be precious, holy, divine moments. Moments in which your kingdom comes in power. We exercise the authority that you've given to us in the name of Jesus. And we say, let healing, let forgiveness, let deliverance, let maturation come forth. Let there be a full sense of love and washing and cleansing. For all those that are sitting, kind of look around you and see who's standing and see if the Lord's calling you to go to pray for one or another. And let's gather around these brothers and sisters and let's minister the love of Jesus in his name. This will end our service. You're free to uh, fellowship. I ask that you would take it out into the hall, out into the narthex. If you go outside these double doors, fellowship, talk, have another cup of coffee, enjoy one another, bless one another, and uh, we'll continue to pray and hear and uh, ask the Lord to do all the things that he wants to do. Thank you for coming. The Lord loves you. He wants to, you to know his wonderful grace, and he definitely wants us to walk in freedom. God bless you. You have a great day. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.